Welcome to Mint, the podcast exploring the Web3 creator economy. I'm your host, Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you what's happening at the corner where crypto meets creators by interviewing Web3's top creative entrepreneurs, collectors, and founders. This episode is brought to you by the composable and decentralized social graph Lens Protocol, who's ready for you to build on so that you can focus on creating a great experience, not scaling your users. Guys, I've talked about this on the podcast before. We as creators need to break through a new paradigm of social networking apps that we control rather than them controlling us. Lens Protocol isn't a social media app. It's designed to let Web3 social apps bloom. Own your content, own your social graph, own your data. Lens Protocol is the last social media handle you'll ever have to create. This episode welcomes Diana Chen, the host of Rehash Podcast. Diana shares her approach to the bear market from a content perspective and talks about her experimentation and future plans for her show. She also discusses the importance of collecting long-form audio files, aka podcast NFTs, and shares her thoughts on the rise of Web3 Social. Tune in for valuable insights on optimizing content growth and important considerations for creators in the Web3 landscape. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Diana Chen on the Mint podcast, migrating over from Rehash. What's up? Welcome. Hey, Adam. I am so happy to be here and very honored to be on the Mint podcast. Been a longtime listener and fan of yours. And so Let's go. Uh, I, I feel great. I mean, slightly nervous because, you know, I've been listening so long, but I feel great. I'm excited. Don't be nervous. This is a safe space. I'm excited to have you here. Part of season seven, all about creating content that's worth collecting. That's the infamous tagline. And you're no stranger to that. Uh, one of the OGs, if not the OG for podcast NFTs, or one, one of the OGs that helped bring it back to life. I know Kevin Rose randomly just like tokenized one of his episodes and did nothing with it. But I remember when you came into the picture and had this idea for rehash, you, you, uh, you had this idea for like a content DAO, a podcast DAO. And uh, we'll get into it a bit more, but I think your background is really interesting because when we connected, you were working at Unstoppable Domains and then you left that joint to start the Rehash podcast, right? The Rehash DAO, this vision that you had. Am I getting that correct? Was it that long ago? It was. Uh, wow. It okay. Was. Yeah. So yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. I, I was um, podcasting and leading content initiatives at Unstoppable Domains for almost a year, which, you know, in crypto time is equivalent Long. to at least five years. And then I went over to Rabbit Hole for a brief time to kind of work on similar things there, but also to help them think through how they mm. can decentralize their content function into a DAO. And uh, then back in April of 2022 is when I started Rehash. And um, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it. Like I, I was thinking about starting some sort of a content DAO. I think there's not too many content and media folks in the space still. And so I wanted a way to pull all of them together and do cool stuff with them. I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but I combined that with my you know passion for podcasting and my experience in podcasting and thought I would start a podcast DAO, first ever podcast DAO. And it, it has been a ton of fun. <laughs> You know, when I tell people I left a fund to start a podcast, they look at me like I'm crazy, but there's there's purpose and reason behind our content abilities. What would you say yours is? Uh, I mean, podcasting I think is is first of all like one of the biggest ways that people consume knowledge nowadays. 
And I think, you know, especially on a topic like Web3 or crypto that a lot of people still don't understand much about, I think the more we can talk about it in a mainstream format, like podcasting, the more we can spread the word and help onboard, onboard the masses to Web3, which is, I, th- I think, the goal that we're all striving towards here. I hope so. I think that's a little bit of my goal. My goal was starting Mint initially. Uh, and I only bring up my example because I want to hear what your your sort of like long-term goal is. But I knew, I knew very little about the creator economy space. I was just intrigued by different keywords like social tokens, and DAOs, and, and Web3. And I got started into crypto by basically reading the Bitcoin white paper and then teaching others about it. So similarly, when I came into, into the creator economy space, I was like, all right, I'm just going to say I have a podcast. It's, I feel like a good segue to get anybody on the podcast and like just tell them you have a podcast or just, you know, just so they can speak with you and then document that process and then publish it in a very like nonchalant way. Maybe I like an intro just to make it a little bit more formal, but that was sort of like my gateway and playing music. I, I know the concept of like consistency and I know the concept of just like repetition and just kind of like ingrain that into my process. I feel like it's, it's very similar to your story trying onboarding. Uh, a lot of people into Web3 through your content. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I started my journey out a little differently from yours. Uh, I, I, I love your story. And I, that I tell people that all the time, if you want to learn about Web3, create content in Web3, because it's one thing to listen to podcasts. It's one thing to read articles, but it's another thing to have to regurgitate that information and teach somebody else. That's when you really test your knowledge of that. So I, I love that that's how you did it. And I encourage you know anybody out there listening to do the same. But for me, I got my job at Unstoppable Domains as a podcaster when I knew almost nothing about uh, crypto and Web3. I was creating content in the Web2 tech world, and that's how I got found by Matt, the CEO at Unstoppable. And for whatever reason, he had all the faith in me to podcast uh, on a crypto podcast, to host a crypto podcast. And that's how I ended up there. So for me, in the very beginning days of my journey, podcasting for me was more about learning, um, more so than trying to onboard other people. Because at that point, I was still trying to onboard myself. So the first, I would say, six months or so of podcasting, that was really when I had the biggest opportunity to learn about concepts like decentralization, the creator economy, all of that stuff super quickly because I had no choice. I had to host this podcast. I had to learn about what these guys were doing. I had to learn how to speak the language. And then over time, that eventually evolved into you know, my more of my goal now, which is onboarding the masses. And I, th- I think is a similar goal to what you're striving yeah. towards. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's like onboarding the next million or billion people into Web3. Like that's the tagline that I, I see reoccurring. And I think the bear market really shows that. The people who, who sort of like stick th- through the thick and thin are the people that are hopefully going to stay through the next rise, right? Um, I also I also believe that the best builders and the best entrepreneurs and the best projects come out of the bear market. Um, I'm curious how you are approaching the bear market from a content perspective, because you you're you're very much like an entrepreneur yourself, right? Leaving a gig, coming up with an idea, bootstrapping it, bringing it bringing it to life, you know, using these crypto primitives like the Mirror article that you used to crowdfund the initial the initial days of rehash, like. What are you focusing your your time in the bear market doing? Yeah, I, I think the bear market gives us a lot of opportunities as builders. And I think the biggest one that maybe not enough people are taking advantage of is that I think bear markets are the perfect time to experiment. 
You know, there's not a lot of money flowing around. Can't really get VC funding. So you have very little uh, at, at stake, at risk. Um, you have, you know, just all the time in the world to experiment, try new things, really figure out what works for you and what doesn't so that when the next bull market comes around and everything is go, 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 and there's so much pressure to deliver, then you know by then what works and what doesn't and you're you're best set up for success in the bull market. So for me, like bear market is time to really like get back to your your foundations, your fundamentals, figure out what it is that works for you, that doesn't work for you, and also not be afraid to try new things because like I said, the stakes are low right now. So now is the time to experiment uh, and try new things. And you know, by the time the bull market comes around, you've got all these innovative, cool things right. that people are like, whoa, this works so well. How did you do it? And you're like, bear market. Bear market. So where's your experimentative brain sitting at the moment? What do you want to experiment on? Oh gosh, I mean, I'm still experimenting with podcast NFTs. Right. right. So that's been an ongoing journey since we first launched back in April. Uh, we've done something a little bit different with our podcast NFTs every season. The first season we did kind of like a batch drop at the end of the season where we sold, you know, limited editions of the audio version of the, the podcast. And then we had one of ones of the video podcast. We tried all of these different things. The following season, we released the podcast NFTs in real time when the episodes were released. Um, and then this season, we're trying something different. So I think continuing to experiment with that, seeing what works for people. I think podcast NFTs are still really new. Uh, you know, not many people have heard of it or are familiar with it. And so um, figuring out the best ways to help people understand what they are, the value of them, and get people to you know sign on. Why should people collect uh, a long form audio file? Yeah, there are a few reasons. I think um, for for us, for our community, the biggest reason is to have a piece of ownership in Rehash. And what that looks like for us is, um, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think of crypto, they think of ownership in the form of uh, financial returns. And it's not that that's one way that, you know, you can have ownership in a community and that as founders, you can reward your community. But I think another way is just to give your community a, a voice um, in what you're doing. And so for us, our NFT holders are the ones that help shape the podcast. They help decide which guests come on the podcast and they get to decide, you know, any other big podcast changes that we have, like in the future, if we decide to, or, or, if, you know, if I, I have an idea to introduce a new segment onto the podcast, that's something that would go to the DAO, go to our NFT holders. And I would say, Hey, you know, I I've got this idea. This, this is what it is. Um, this is the funding we would need to make this happen. What do you guys think? Yay or nay? Do you think this is valuable to people? And I think that, uh, that sort of structure not only gives you a more engaged listenership and audience and community, but it also helps to make your podcast or your piece of media, whatever you're working with, better in the sense that, you know, you're crowdsourcing knowledge and uh, insight from a ton of different people instead of just from yourself. Sometimes I think as the podcast host, we might not even be aware of, you know, the conversations we're having that people are picking up on and that are landing with people the most. 
sometimes the episodes, the conversations that I think, you know, are the most insightful for me end up not doing too hot. And then the episodes that get the most downloads are ones that are a little unexpected. So Dude, this that's is... my biggest challenge too. I swear. Okay, like, I'm glad I, it's not I, just I, me. I, no, it's a hundred percent me too. And I feel like I create content on subjects that interest me and those that interest me, I can perform the best on. Right. Yep. But then it's, it's like, people just want to hear like, Oh, how you raise a million ETH, you know, and create like, or like the jaw dropping thumbnail content that you see <laughs> on YouTube that gets the most clicks and attention. And that's why Absolutely. I'm so excited about season seven, because I want to, I want to experiment in this new realm of like, what does it mean to create content that's worth collecting? How do we create content for a collectible audience versus a viewer based audience, you know, and maybe there's that, maybe that puts less pressure on us to sort of perform on, on the standards of the algorithms and more so on our creative, our creative endeavors. Yeah, it absolutely does. I think it helps make us better as hosts because like you said, you know, I'm, I'm just glad it's not just me that you experience the same thing, but I would much rather our, my listeners tell me which episodes they like and what kind of content they like so that I can create more of that than creating content for myself that I like because I'm not the listener. So yeah, I, I think it's really a, a two-way street. It helps your community feel more engaged. Like they're not just passive fans of yours, but they're active community members in your community. Um, and then on the flip side, it makes you better at what you do too, because you're getting constant feedback from your biggest fans. Yeah, definitely. When I, when I think of rehash, I think of Diana Chen. And when I think of Diana Chen, I think of... Uh, uh, a campaign manager. Why do I think of a campaign manager? Because when this new season comes around and people are casting their votes for speakers, you're literally out there kissing babies and networking, <laughs> trying to get people to vote, tagging everybody, and just hustling on the streets of crypto Twitter to get some action to bring the season to life. And when people think of content creators, I feel like many people look down on content creators. They're like, oh, you're just sitting at your desk. You're just looking at the camera, speaking into a microphone, and I'm like, it's not that. Look at Diana Chen. She's she could literally be a presidential campaign manager, <laughs> campaigning and tagging people and reaching out and, sh and knocking on doors. Like that's what I think when I look at you on my on my Twitter feed. Wow, I'm so glad this is being recorded. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you to send this clip to me, and I'm just gonna play you. it over and over and over in my headphones whenever I'm having a bad day. Adam Levy said I could be a presidential campaign manager. Let's just well, listen, let that soak in. <laughs> there, there's there's a level of hustle to to run an operation like you're trying to bring to life. Running a DAO and trying to create content through that DAO and ingraining your community's voice within many layers, whether it be cosmetic level governance or really intricate level decision making, it requires a level of like uh, uh, attention organization. Like you need to be put on people's radar to get them to, par to participate in the assets that they collected, you know, or in the collectibles that they, that they bought. I don't want to call them assets, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, I, you're spot on. You're, you're hitting something like really, really well on the head, which is that a lot of creators out there, artists, musicians, uh, content creators, even they are professionals at their craft. They are really good at making music or they're really good at designing things or they're really good at X, Y or Z. But when it comes to selling your work, you know, monetizing your work in order for you to stay a creator and keep doing the stuff that you love to do, you have to be able to monetize that somehow. Right. And I think that's where, uh, we see a huge gap in this is like really nothing to do with web three, even like in the web, in the traditional space, creators are typically not the best 
business people or marketers. Um, and I, I, I think that's kind of like the seat that I sit in and have sat in for a really long time is like, I'm not the most maybe creative person out there. Like all of these shit post videos that you see posted on the rehash site that are stitched together creatively and like paired up with audio in the most perfect and intricate way. That's our editors, you know, and that's like the other, the rest of the team, that's Tyler and Ellie uh, primarily who are doing those things. And I'm so grateful to have them on my team because that is what they do. They just want to heads down, edit podcasts, create these funny videos, you know, make memes, do these things without having to go out there and hustle and be tagging people on Twitter all the time and DMing people. And I, I think that's, you know, that's kind of why it's worked for us because we make the perfect team because, you know, I've, I've got, I've got the campaign manager hat on all the time and uh, they've got, you know, like the really high quality creative stuff nailed down. And that's really what it takes, I think, to create good content is you want high quality content and you want a way to get it out there to people. Facts. If there was a spirit animal that would represent your idea of rehashed out in its current state, what would that spirit animal be? I'm so disappointed in myself right now for not having an answer because <laughs> I ask everybody this question on my podcast and you would think that I would have thought of an answer for myself. Um, Man, honestly, I just like, I, I think of a, a dog. <laughs> okay. A, because we are but big wait, wait, dog wait. But people. But which dog? Which dog? Like a golden retriever or like one of those nasty devil chihuahuas? No, 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 no. It's got to be, it's got to be something like my dog, who is a cattle dog husky mix. And he is, uh, super i mean super loyal like all dogs are okay. really smart uh very easy to very uh okay maybe my, not my dog but a dog that's like <laughs> very adaptable you know like a fast learner um yeah i th what what breed would that be do you know what i'm imagining right now what? As you figure out the breed, I just imagine imagine a discord of just puppies just running around everywhere. Like that's <laughs> literally what comes to mind visually. And I think of like a back in the day, I used to drop my dog off at like a uh, vacation daycare, you know, and all the dogs would be in like the behind the plexiglass yep. window and they'd be running around. Like that's what I imagine in the rehash that now, is, community now. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's literally okay. what it is. Yeah. We're big okay. dog people here. <laughs> I love it. Can we, can we go back to the early days of Rehash? Uh, you kicked off Rehash Dow by writing a mirror blog post and crowdfunding its initial few steps, right? Um, the landscape has changed since then. You're not seeing too many mirror crowdfunds. Uh, you're seeing maybe juice box crowdfunds and other platforms sort of, sort of experimenting with what raising money looks like on an independent level. How do you understand the shift in that landscape from when Rehash came to life to where we are today? I would probably credit most of that to just the the bear market that we're in today. So Rehash, we lucked out a little bit. We launched in April of uh, 2022. We were still like full on bull market mode. I think the market didn't really crash until the summer. So we got a couple of good months in there and then you know everything tanked. But I, I think a lot of it is just attributed to the bear market. There's not as much money flying around all over the place anymore. I think people have to be a little more strategic, a little more thoughtful with, um, you know, raising when they're trying to raise money. Uh, so I think that is probably 
I think that's probably the main thing. Okay. That makes sense. And then on top of that, using podcast NFTs as a vehicle for crowdfunding uh, additional revenue for the DAO, um, I think it's a really cool concept. I want to talk more about podcast NFTs. Uh, we sort of touched upon it a little bit earlier, but I want to bring it back because part of this conversation, I want to focus around content DAOs. Um, and like I said earlier, you understand the concept of creating content worth collecting, but we're still in that weird, uncomfortable phase or people trying to understand what is a podcast NFT? Uh, is it just a bridge of like music NFTs? Is it its own category? Like what, what are they in the grand scheme of things? And why should people collect them? Sure. Yeah. It's podcast NFT is just a, a podcast episode that is minted on chain um, as a, an NFT, a non fungible token. And I think there are, you know, th the reasons why somebody might want to collect a podcast NFT, similar to the reasons why somebody might want to collect a mirror post um, on chain or collect a, a music NFT on chain. It shows that you are, you know, a, a supporter of that piece of work, first of all, and that artist, whoever, or creator, or whoever made that piece of work. Um, it shows that, uh, I think over time it can show your level of fandom. So whether you've collected, you know, maybe one podcast NFT, one episode of rehash because you just liked one guest versus somebody else who maybe collected every single podcast NFT that rehash has ever released because they're a fan of the podcast. I think that is a big distinction. And I think what that allows also the creator to do is to reward these people in various ways, you know? And so the way that we might reward somebody that's collected one podcast NFT versus somebody that's collected all of our podcast NFTs might be a little bit different. Um, and that comes, you know, not just in physical rewards, like monetary rewards, or maybe rewarding in merch, but also rewarding by way of giving you more governance rights. And the way that we're set up, you know, we have different tiers of uh, governance that our NFT holders are able to participate in. And, um, and I, I think that is something too that, that sort of distinguishes our super fans from our, you know, average fan, uh, and, and makes everybody happy at the tier that they're at. What's up guys. Sorry for the quick pause, but I wanted to tell you about Bello a new blockchain analytics tool I built that helps Web3 native creators and communities learn more about their collectors and their on-chain behavior. Through a simple search, Bellows Intelligence can help you figure out a price for your NFT drop, show you what other communities your collectors are a part of, and empower you with insights to make confident decisions on how to grow your community. I built Bello with you in mind. So as a creator myself, Bellows helped me make money by finding sponsors for the podcast and allowed me to curate better content for you guys and now it's ready to help other creators too if you're a web3 native creator nft project founder or community manager join the waitlist to try bellows beta product today by signing up at bello.lol forward slash join that's b-e-l-l-o dot l-o-l forward slash join all right back to the episode do you think it makes more sense to optimize content growth to increase your number of collectors or to strive for viewership and virality? I think those probably go hand in hand, okay. right? But I think in the ethos of Web3, you know, with Legion's piece on 100 true fans, I think in Web3, the mentality is more about focusing on those 
a smaller subset of collectors, those true fans of yours versus focusing on the virality. But uh, personally, you know, from my personal experience and just observation of the space, I think right now we still sit in very much a web 2.5 world. And so even if what we're striving for is this 100 true fans concept that Legion wrote about, I don't think we're there yet. And I think in the meantime, we still sort of are at the liberty of a lot of Web2 tools that are out there. And if we can leverage these Web2 tools to uh, get a bigger reach and to bring more people into the space, then, you know, who are we to say that these these tools are bad or that we have to stay away from them? What is your overall thesis on like Web3 social? Because I understand Web3 social as this new this new world where our collector count is going to surpass our follower count. Like that's, that's my belief. And, and how do you now optimize for building a large collector base? Maybe not all of them are going to fall into that 1000 or 100 category, but the new sort of like proof that you were there is by collecting something, whether paid or free. Do you have a similar thesis on this whole new rise of web three social or what, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But again, you know, I just don't think we're fully there yet. So right now we are leveraging Web3 social tools like Lens. All of our videos are on LensTube. Uh, you can collect the videos on LensTube. Um, they come with a different, they don't come with the governance rights that our NFTs do, but that exposes us to, you know, sort of move towards this model and experiment with it as well and see how well Web3 Social really works. On the other side of it, Makes you know, we, we are still on Web2 Social. We're still using Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And we're actually in this upcoming season, shifting our thesis a little bit towards broadening our you know, target audience to more of a broad web to tech audience. I think when we started Rehash, we intentionally started it really small with a small web three community who understood what we were doing and who supported our values. And uh, now that we're, you know, nine months into Rehash, I think, you know, what we're focusing on for the next season is growing, is finally branching out of this community, the solid foundation we've built and building on top of that. And so we're going to be focused more on, you know, sort of uh, explaining how Web 2 bridges into Web 3, how tech is going to evolve overall, instead of siloing these Web 3 topics into their own conversations. We want to sort of paint the bigger picture for people and help people understand better how tech is evolving and why Web 3 or Web 3 concepts will come into play in tech in the future. I think uh, just to just to reflect on that for a minute, something my team and I we've been we've been realizing too is that even like ever since the entrance of the bear market, attention and sort of reach of your content has has decreased, um, and it actually makes a lot of sense to broaden up like your target audience as to who you're who you're documenting for. But I feel like the challenge is it's like you still need to focus on a type of user and create content for that type of user. And I've always struggled with creating content that excites the Web3 user and the Web2 user. And a good example of this is when I post Web3 content on TikTok, maybe my content sucks. Let's go with that. Okay. Nope. But it doesn't, <laughs> it, it, it. doesn't, it doesn't reach the right audience yeah. on TikTok, you know? And that's, and I, and I post a lot, like, look at my feed. Like I'm going ham, my team and I, 
every single day we're push, pushing out content. I feel like at this point, Diana, we've pushed, we, we're pushing out like one on Twitter, at least one on Twitter, at least two, one on Instagram, two on Twitter. So that's three, at least one on TikTok. And then doing that like every day, you know, every day, Monday through Sunday, posting content on all these platforms. And maybe my, my form is just not adequate enough for the TikTok alg- algorithms, you know, like, I, I don't know, but if I start bridging and creating just web two related creator content, then I may lose the web three audience, you know, and me personally, I'm more interested in the web three stuff. And yeah. that's how I know I'll be the best at it. Cause I only do things that I'm, that I feel like I'm, I'm interested in, you know what I mean? That's, that's my like push and pull sort of struggle. Are you feeling something similar? Are you guys, are you guys going through the same sort of feeling? Yeah. So first, I, I think with regards to the different platforms, I think different types of content do perform better on different platforms. Like, for example, our super shitposty meme videos do extremely well on Twitter, but kind of tank on YouTube, for example. Uh, whereas our more, you know, just kind of vanilla, uh, like educational content, those pieces do really well on YouTube because I think there's more of a mainstream audience there than they do on Twitter because Twitter, our Twitter followers are primarily crypto people. So I I think, you know, maybe part of it is just um, uh, strategically posting certain types of content to certain platforms. I think another piece of it too, and maybe this is just, you know, the, the stuff that we talk about on rehash kind of, I kind of think of it as like a liberal arts crypto podcast, you know, like we talk about more of the, the, the more human side of, crypto and web three than okay. the technical side or the financial side. And so when I think when it comes to things like this, when it comes to things like talking about governance and DAOs, like governance is not a topic that is new in since web three governance has been a topic that has been around since the beginning of time. Um, and so we're talking about a lot of things like governance ops, you know, uh, people management organization, things like that. These are topics that are understandable to everybody who's alive today. Um, and so I think that makes it a little bit easier to mm. introduce crypto topics like DAOs and NFTs, but to talk about it in a way that digital collectibles, normies, exactly, yeah. can understand yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I guess another thing I've been thinking about too is there's also like the Mr. Beach Beast approach of just dumping all your money mm-hmm. and creating, whether it's not, maybe not in a cadence, but creating really high quality content that people want and not focusing on velocity, just focusing on quality, you know? And one thing that we have yet to see in the creator world in in crypto is people crowdfunding budgets for Mr. Beast like videos, like crowdfunding a thousand ETH to create like a four, five, Mm -hmm. 10 minute video. You know, like we have yet to see something like that come into action. And that's something I'm really excited about of like the concept of creating content that's worth collecting if that primitive sort of evolves, maybe we don't have to perform for the algorithms, you know, cause I personally, I feel tired. Like I feel drained and I'm not even at the same level that a lot of these full-time creators kind of like pursue content in web two. Like there's people posting three, four times a day on TikTok, you know, and spending thousands of dollars on editors. And it's very hard to scale that right on a, on a, on like a small business level, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm ranting a bit here, as you can tell. Any thoughts on that? 
I, I'm with you. I, I think I would love to see one day where we can, you know, better understand how to manage a shared community treasury. And I think, you know, things like nouns DAO are are really interesting to me. And I think about ways in which, you know, we could, for example, uh, make a we could fork nouns the nouns contract and create this creator DAO uh, where you know we there's an auto auto generated NFT one per day. And all the proceeds of that go to a shared community treasury and the treasury goes to fund projects like the one you just described, like a Mr. B style, four to five minute video, super high quality. And the community votes on these proposals. So, you know, Adam Levy could submit a proposal for uh, to create this super high quality video on podcast NFTs, like fully explaining what they are with full production value and everything that's going to cost X amount of money. And the community of NFT holders votes on, you know, if, if we put this money towards that or not, I could see something like that, like spinning up in the next bull run. I, I think right now might be a tough time, but yeah. um, next bull run, like I could totally see something like that. And, you know, that's, I, I think there are models that people are coming up with to make this happen. Yo, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a bad time. Like last week we see, uh, um, I forgot his name, really talented artist that's been here since the nifty gateway era raised 2.2 mil from his open edition, you know? Oh, no way. And, wow. and, and then another artist by, by the name of Victor, I'm blanking on his last name. Also like 250 K easily in like a few hours easily. They put a lot of work into it. Right. I don't want to discount that, but on the surface, it looks like, wow, that was like in a few hours, you know, you raised 250 K, you know, X copy. Uh, uh, Jack Butchers, you know, like the, the activity is still there. People are like, I feel like the bar for, for, for content that's worth collecting has increased, right? Mm -hmm. Because the noise has decreased. So yeah. people are still looking for higher quality signals and it's up to us as creators to match and be at that same level as what they're expecting. That's what I'm sort of like piecing together during this time. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think part of that too is that most of the people left in this space during a bear market are people who've been here for a while, right? Or people who really understand what we're doing, who really believe in it. And these people are going to have a higher expectation of quality, I think, than, you know, a, a mainstream audience that kind of just apes into music NFTs because that's the buzzword that's out there right now and just buys up any music NFT just to say that they have a music NFT. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the the standard and the expectations are a bit higher during during this time. Now I can't help but think, is the market prepared for a Mr. Beast-like character who <laughs> wants to raise a, mil, a thousand ETH, you know, to, to create a 10-minute video and they create like really interesting, funny content and try to find people who lost their NFTs to like a fishy link, you know, and send them 10 ETH as like a, See, as like a gift, that's you know what I mean? And documenting stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that I think, uh, is going to have to wait for the next bull market. Okay. All right. Interesting. You think it can happen now? I don't know. I'm being surprised left and right by all these creators. Yeah, but like, all the people you just named, like those are those are people who've established themselves in the space for years and years. And so that's what I'm saying. Why can't it be like we've been in the space for a minute? You know, why can't it be you or I or another? We haven't been in the space long enough. We haven't been here long enough. I think. Well, well, think about it. Let me let me counter that. Okay, let's have a friendly argument here because the the fuck renders of the world, right? They came in around the NFT, the NFT uh, craze and the NFT gateway era, as I like to call it. You know, when open editions and, and 
and dropping NFTs and all the Instagram and corporate artists migrated into the world of Web3 to finally realize what their art is valued at, right? And what it's worth. And then they later, tra later transitioned into Christie's and Sotheby's and sold their pieces for millions of dollars. That happened in a very short period of time of them entering the space. So I don't think, I don't think, uh, I'm there yet personally. And I won't, I won't talk about myself like that, but I think maybe there is an opportunity for something like that and an opportunity worth exploring and experimenting with. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's like the Web3 hype house, you know, and a bunch of digital content creators come together, you know, to, to crowdfund a thousand ETH to create an X long minute video. You get some treasury funding from NounsDAO. You get some treasury funding from FWB and all these other kind of like groups contribute to it. I don't know what could come out of it. I feel like I'm onto something here. I don't know, but I'm, I'm speaking out my ideas out loud. Okay, I'm gonna yes, but you. So okay. yes, but if you think about the not just not just the amount of time that it took somebody like fuck render to make it to Christie's, but what time it was. You know, they came about at a time when first of all, people understood art. People still don't understand podcasts as collectibles. You know, True. we're still talking about what are podcasts as collectibles. What is the value? Like we as podcast hosts, like people who are in the space and understand it more than anybody else, are still trying to fully figure this out and nail it down. So I don't know that the market is ready for it yet. Also, at the time when, you know, fuck render and people were making it to Christie's, that was bull market times. Like that was 2021 Fair. when NFTs were, that was like the, you know, like NFTs were king and everybody like everybody in the mainstream at least like has heard of NFTs now and knows what an NFT is. Mm -hmm. If you go and say, you know, podcast NFTs, to anybody. I mean, like, I can't even explain, like, I, I tell my friends I'm a podcaster, but beyond that, they're like, oh, how do you make money? You get like ad sponsorships <laughs> and stuff, right? Like, I, I can't explain the rest of it to them, you know? And so until <laughs> we're at a place where we can explain what we're even doing to our normie friends, I just don't know that we're ready yet. All right. I'll counter it. I think, <laughs> um, I think music NFTs fall in a very similar category. Everybody understood art but many people didn't understand the concept of collecting music. And it took a village of a few thousand collectors to prove other people wrong. And now we're seeing music NFTs as a collectible, quote unquote, asset class doing really, really well. And artists, even though it's like 1.25 ETH, but they're doing that and raising that on a consistent basis. You have, like, you have artists like Daniel Allen and Rio Cragen racking in 110 ETH in a matter of like a few days, you know, for, for their criteria drop. And people starting to understand the value of collectible music, you know, and that took a village. It took a few companies. It took funds betting on, on, on entrepreneurs to create the platforms and, and the primitives to enable that energy. And then it took a bunch of shit posters to tweet music NFTs for it to appear on everybody's timeline to make it seem like something is going on here that's worth paying attention to. So I don't see why we can't do that with content, why we can't do that with podcasts. I think I we think can. I, th I think we can, but I think that it's that's what it's going to take. You know, it's going to take okay. what you just said. It's going to take a village. It's going to take a few funds coming in and investing in podcasters. It's, it's going to take all of those things. And none of that has happened yet. Shows you how early we are. Zoom we out, are everyone. We are still early. <laughs> so what other things are on top of your mind that you think about um, as a creator in the Web3 landscape? Oh, man. Um so much. My mind is a jumble of thoughts. I think recently in the, la in the last week, what, what has caught your attention, a new idea, a new question, if any, I've been, honestly, I've been thinking a lot about distribution 
you know, and we've okay. kind of talked about this already. Um, and I think Rafa tweeted this out the other day. He was like, content is 20% creation, 80% distribution. And yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And uh, that's something that we've been thinking about a lot at Rehash is how do we take all the content that we've created and make the most out of it? Like we are definitely not putting our content to maximum mileage that we could be. And that's something that we want to focus on and um, do a better job of in, in the upcoming season. And part of that is, you know, expanding to go. It, it feels like taking a step backwards. Like we just revamped our Instagram account and our TikTok, and we're posting videos there now. And, you know, the thinking at the beginning was like, our listeners, our audience is mostly like a crypto native or a crypto curious audience. We don't really have a big normie audience. So why would we be on Instagram or TikTok or any of those channels? But now that we're sort of shifting our focus and shifting our thesis a little bit, we want to be where, you know, those people are. So um, that's just been kind of like thinking through what the strategy is there and making sure that all of it feels good still with our values and what we're about um, is, is something that has been top of mind for me. Throughout this conversation, you've been vocal about a new idea, a new strategy that you want to pursue, branching out your your audience reach, right? And creating new types of content within the tech sector. I'm curious what other things you learned from previous seasons that you could share. Um, really, I think that's been a huge trend lately is people kind of turning their backs on even the word Web3. Like one of the questions I asked each of my guests last season was if you could rebrand one thing in Web3, what would it be? And the most common answer I got was Web3, like the word Web3. We don't need that to be here. That should not exist. And usually when I ask, you know, okay, so if we don't call it Web3, like, what do we call it? Like, nobody has a better idea. And I feel like that's why we still use the word Web3. But I think what Web, the maybe one reason why people are starting to turn their backs on this is people are starting to realize that there are a lot of people out there who kind of see it as like Web2 versus Web3 and pit these two things against each other when Web3 really is just like the next iteration of the web that we're using today and that we've been using for the last decades. Um, and so what we should be thinking about instead of web two versus web three and, you know, is what we're doing web three native versus like too, too much. So in the web two direction is how do we best use the tools that are given to us by web three to make our current version of the web and what we're doing better? You know, how do we use the tools given to us by Web3 to make social media better, to make us, you know, uh, instead of the product, to make us actually the customer and the user. Um, so I think I think that really has been the biggest takeaway. And there's so many applications of that to like different spaces. I think of it most in the creator economy space and the social space, but you can think about that in, you know, the financial space as well in the tech space. Like how are we what are we doing to uh, to protect our privacy, for example, when operating on a public blockchain? Uh, there's a lot of things I think we need to square um, with, you know, t bringing in some of the principles of Web3. But also, I think it would be to our benefit to also reflect on what are some of the good things that happen in Web2, you know, that we don't need to get rid of. Because it, it's not this, like, dichotomy, Web2 versus Web3. It's really how do we make our current version of the web better. And and what's your vision for that? God, you think I have an answer to that? 
Yeah. What do you enjoy about Web2? Then I'd be the Web president. Two? I wouldn't be the campaign oof. manager of the president. Oof. <laughs> oof. Oof. <laughs> Well, no, let, let's, let's uncover that with, with, with what we have left over here. What would you like to see us adopt from Web 2, considering all the cool shit that's happening in Web 3? I think one thing right now with creators is that we still need Web 2 tools for reach and distribution. You know, we're not, like we talked about earlier, we're not at a point where we can rely on that 100 true fans thesis just yet. Or, you know, it's, it's maybe it's possible, but it's very difficult to do that. And so in the meantime, for the majority of creators, I think relying on Web2 social platforms, Web2 distribution, um, that's just something that we still have to do until we figure out how that's going to work in Web3. I think, you know, one thing I've thought about a bunch is how is search going to work in Web3? You know, without uh, Google sort of like, digging through all your data and understanding you best, like how, how, how will search work? If I want to know something right now, you know, like if I just want to know, uh, okay, my, my back really hurts. I bent down and now my back feels like it's broken. I can ask Google that and it can maybe tell me what's wrong with me. How am I going to do that in Web3 when there's no, like, you know, like I'm, I'm sure there's a solution to that. There's an answer to that. And um, I think Sorry Azut is working on something like that with Startup B and other people are thinking about it. But uh, there, I have questions like that, you know, like there are tools like Search that kind of I, I'm happy with how it works in Web2. And I'm not sure how that's going to look in Web3 just yet. Well, I think what search in Web3, you'll be searching for something else. You're not searching for for uh, content like you are on, on Web2 platforms. You may be searching for more crypto-related insights. But I may even redact that statement down the line because if, if a lot more content ends up being tokenized, right, then we'll actually end up having to search for, for content, you know, and for articles and True. blog yeah. posts and, and information if the world ends up actually... Uh, becoming fully web three. So yeah, yeah a lot a still lot, remains to be a lot. Yeah. Seen. A lot to think yeah. about. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So new season of rehash. Okay. Yes. What are we to expect other than a branch in, in new content? What else is on the menu? I think, you know, uh, one of my focuses this season is going to be, um, bringing everything back together is going to be zooming out into the big picture and talking about how these individual things fit in. So, you know, like we have a guest coming on that is, uh, is, has been deeply researching different types of blockchains, layer twos, how they all work together. And my goal with a conversation like that would be to explain that in an understandable way to somebody who's not in the space or somebody who is in the space like myself, like I couldn't explain how all of that works to you. Um, so really like zooming out, talking about these concepts in the context of the bigger picture is, uh, is one of my personal goals. Um, but yeah, the, the guest lineup is set already. We just finished our guest nominations and voting. So if you go on our, our Twitter page, you can see the, the full list of guests that are coming on the season. We need to get airdrop an I voted NFT sticker so that we can have that and show it, show it off online. That'd be sick. I think I've got to make that now that you've, you know, really just spun this campaign manager narrative. I'm telling you, it's all in there for you. I swear. <laughs> all right. That's going to be our next set. Uh, we actually did just create our first batch of merch, which if any of you will be at ETH Denver, you'll be there, right? 
Yes, likely, yes. Okay, so come find me, and I've got a beanie for you. But for any rehash NFT holders, if you come find me at ETH Denver, you get a free beanie. We've got some stickers as well. And now I've got to go and make an I Voted sticker in addition to that. Let's go. (laughs) I want that. I want an I Voted sticker with my ENS on it. I'd be so sick, and I'd wear it proudly. Think about it. That'd be so cool. Like, you campaigned for someone to be on a season. And you contributed to that. Like, I want to show that off. Do you want a sticker or do you want a pin? Whatever. It doesn't matter. I want something to show off. Okay. That's what I want. I like that. You know, what else I can do is I, so I just also issued our first set of disco credentials to all of our past guests as like a, you know, as a proof that they were a guest on the podcast. So I could do that as well for people that voted on the podcast. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Diana Chen, this was great. You're an all-star. Thank you for being on season seven. Excited to watch further seasons progress of Rehash and all the little puppies running around in the Discord. Before I let you go, where can we find you? Where can we learn more? Yeah. uh, Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. This hour just flew by. Um, If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at DDWChen and you can find Rehash at RehashWeb3. Amazing. We'll have to do this again soon, but till then, have a good one. We'll have to do it the other way around. Yep. <laughs> yes, I'm game. See you next awesome. time. Awesome. See ya. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, then you are a champ, and I owe you a free listener pin. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash NFT, fill in your info, and I'll distribute the NFT towards the end of the season. By collecting your pin, you prove your contribution to the season and get exclusive access to content, allow lists, and more. So be sure to collect yours. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. This helps me out so much. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you simply want to chat. I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. So thanks again for your support. It means the world, and I'll see you on the next episode.